how to do this again. I'm pretty sure in how long we've had this podcast. Is, is this our longest break? Yeah, it's like Christmas vacation. Except in the hottest month, like hottest week of the year. Yeah. Oh, has it been bad? We're out by you. Yeah. Like 90s almost every day. We've had, we've had a couple hundred days and it's made work absolutely miserable for me. But yeah. Um, welcome into the Production Line podcast. Uh, we're in off-season mode. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And yeah, we're talking, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about maybe personal lives. I don't know. There's some actually some tangible news Red Wings wise since we last talked. Um, there's plenty of big name free agents that are still available. We can talk about that. Um, there's also the World Junior Championships that are restarting uh, next week. And there's been some Red Wing news along with that and whatever else comes our way. But uh, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rank, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RANK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RANK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. It's good. I've done ad reading in a while. It's like it's like getting back on a bike, you know. You fall a couple times, and then you're good to go. Good to go. What'd you do? What'd you do on your week off? My week off. Well, not of work, but from podcasting. Man. Not a whole lot. <laughs> no. No. You did go to a game though. They go to a soccer game. Watched uh, Manchester City versus Bayern Munich at Lambeau Field. Pretty sweet. Pretty electric. Uh, Erling Holland is very fun to watch, and the fans love him. It's good to see, especially for like a new guy. That's yeah, I mean, not a Premier League podcast, but we could talk. Obviously, we're both uh, not obviously. I don't think we've ever talked about. It. We're both Chelsea fans. Yeah, so definitely interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Chelsea's uh, U.S. tour went very poorly. Yeah, they, got, they lost to a U.S. team and then lost to Arsenal pretty bad. So tough go, tough go, definitely. Yeah, for me, I uh, saw some whale. I saw a whale, which was pretty cool because mom and dad came out to see me. Exciting. I'm, I'm their favorite. That's not true. Oh, it is. They told me. They told me you just weren't there. You weren't there. Tough go. (laughs) Oh, but yeah. Should we uh, stock some Red Wings? Yeah. Something. It's kind of nice that we. So now with the summer, we can kind of spread some episodes out and go every other week. And yeah, hopefully there's some Red Wing news in each week. But uh, there's plenty to talk about since we last spoke. Um, We signed another defenseman. Robert Hag, one year, 800K, one way deal. Uh, this happened Monday. Um, would have been, is it last week? No, uh, it yes. It was, it was last week, Monday. And I remember texting you. And I'm like, huh? I, just, I literally I just said, I, no, no, I tweeted out from the podcast account and I said, oh, question mark. Because it just doesn't make any sense. This puts Detroit at, I think, uh, 10 defensemen. On under contract, that roughly competing for a spot, 
for six spots, which is a lot of competition, but really big log jam. And I was like, for a second, I was like, is a move coming in some sort of way? And there was a move, but uh, unfortunately, it was Mark Pissick, and he uh, tore his Achilles, and he had surgery to repair it uh, four to six months. Real tough one, and that just sucks because I really thought he was going to be our third pairing guy on the right side. Yeah, it's definitely a tough pill to swallow. I, I truly saw him as a guy that would be able to be a third pairing guy, and then maybe sub in and out every once in a while for Lindstrom um, to try to get Lindstrom to kind of kick in the butt for him. And then another guy that would be really at ease for Edvinson to jump right in. And I think that kind of sucks to lose him (laughs) before he even touched the ice, to be honest. So that does sting a bit. Yeah. It's kind of interesting as well because – Robert Hag and Mark Basic were like partners for the majority of their season. Like those two were partnered up, which is kind of funny if you think about it. So I guess the Red Wings pro scouting team was just like, they just really love that pair. Yeah, I guess <laughs> huge fan, but no, uh, what are your, what were your initial thoughts like after that? And then thinking of Robert Hag's fit in Detroit. Uh, first thoughts were, I, thought in Florida I didn't really watch him in Buffalo I thought in Florida he was pretty meh um that whole decor actually in the playoffs was pretty meh so I didn't love him before the signing and I don't love the signing (laughs) I don't think there's a whole lot there aside from being a player that shoots left and plays defense uh there's not <laughs> a, there's not there's not a whole lot there with robert heck oh my you basically just like read his like player info he's just like yeah he's six foot three or six yeah, foot two, whatever he's alive and he's from sweden <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm a little bit higher on robert heck i think he's a little bit better than the credit you're giving him i think he's serviceable as a six seven guy serviceable just, yeah he loves to block shots. He's more defensive minded. And I mean, I did some like deep dive into like his expected goals for and stuff like that. And in Buffalo to be expected was not very good. It was at roughly like a 39%. Then in Florida surprise, it was very good because he played on a very good team in a limited role. So, I mean, who's to say what he does in Detroit. Right. Yeah. Um, I know Carson, even though he didn't have the great um, Carson or Buffalo Sabres expert, um, even though he didn't have the best numbers analytically in Buffalo, Carson liked him as a third pairing guy, which is something to be said. Yeah. From an eye test perspective also doesn't hurt that he's Swedish. Cause it just seems like that's kind of a, uh, it's an expectation for a Red Wing signing to at least mm-hmm. you got to have a couple Swedes in there. Um, so kind of like this leads into a discussion about the Red Wings defense as a whole. Uh, I know we kind of did on our free agency frenzy episode, we did a bit of a like mock forward lines. I don't think we did defense though, did we? Um, maybe I we don't did. So maybe we did. Maybe we did, but maybe we, this is where we now go into more of a deep dive, right? So, how are you personally feeling about Detroit's defense and how would you kind of 
pair up the defenders on the team. Because right now we have, without factoring the injuries, I mean, if we're counting Edvinson in there too, that is, and Wallman, right? I think that's that puts us at 10 defensemen that are roughly competing for a spot in the top six. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think are you counting... You're counting Pissick and Wallman? Yes. yes, I am. So, so that would be seven, eight, nine. And Edvinson, that's 10, yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's a lot of bodies. And I think the top four is pretty well established. I mean, we can talk about the fits and stuff like that. Do you want to start with that? Like, what would you? how would you pair up the top four? Because, I mean, I think the four are pretty set. Yeah, I think it's... It's pretty easy for me to say that I would pair it Sherratt and Cider. I mean, Sherratt's used to the workload of a first-pairing defenseman, and that's what Cider is going to be playing in everything next year. So I think rather than throwing Olimata for 20 minutes a night, you play Sherratt, who's used to 20 minutes a night. And I actually think if Sherratt just plays a safe sort of style with Cider – he should be fine, and it's going to give Cider more space. I know hasn't been great like the last couple of years, but I think he could play pretty well with Cider. I, I think there's a lot of players that Cider would make better. And I, I'm optimistic about Sherratt. Um, I like have, good. Yeah, I, I like Olimata for Hironic. Um, I know I brought up that he was really good for Chris Letang and just really kind of a calming presence. I'm not comparing Philip Peronic to Chris Letang because uh, one, no. has, one has hands and the other one does not have hands. One makes solid decisions pretty much all the time, especially in the offensive zone. The other one does not make solid decisions in the offensive zone. Uh, hey, maybe whoa, maybe whoa, 30, this, 30% of the time. This is the offseason. We're talking strictly, strictly okay. positive here. Strictly positive, Heronic's a right-handed defenseman that <laughs> giving him the Robert Hag treatment. That that looks like Connor McGregor. So it does kind of look like Connor McGregor. That's that's my optimistic. I, I like Philip Heronic. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that is a pairing that is really interesting to me. I mean, man, Philip Heronic's a 40-point guy almost every year. Mm-hmm. Can, can he turn that to where He's 40 points and smart. I mean, you're asking a lot of them. I am. <laughs> but if you're going to be a, a top four defenseman. And make top four money. You don't want to be a liability. Nope. I, I 100% agree. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. I know. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, back to Sherratt and Cider. So I just, I, I did an article last week on, um, how Detroit's revamped defense stands in the Eastern conference, but I kind of broke down the pairings and stuff like that on there. But in terms of Sherratt and cider, the, like, I don't know if this is like a way too easy comparison of him going strictly size-based and recency bias, but Ben Sherratt did have a couple successful seasons playing with Shea Weber. Very like, or yeah. one, one real successful season. And then like the shortened season was kind of like, whatever. But that first the nineteen twenty season, they were one of the be- like one of the better pairings in terms of um, their expected goals 
and their goals for percentage. They, I think there were eight, I think it was eighth in the league from money puck. And it's kind of hard not to like, I mean, the stylistically Weber and Sider are, are a bit different, but like size wise and like how the physicality way they do it. And Weber also not being afraid to jump in the play. I can see this pairing yeah. working out very well. I like that comparison. Like I said, like you said, uh, Weber and Cider have similar capabilities, although I'll be a different. Yep. So, yeah, I, I do like that comparison. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. And then, obviously, I think I think Mata was clearly brought in to be a defensive defenseman for Horonic's offensive defenseman, which is something we didn't want. Like, we like looking at our depth, we weren't really crazy about a Simon Edmondson trying to play babysitter for Philip Horonic. We weren't crazy about like Jake Wallman being thrown into a top four role way too soon. And also he's more of a guy who jumps in the rush a little bit too. And that kind of just leaves like limited options for who's going to be with Philip Peronic. And so Olimata, what makes me nervous about this pairing is not neither player are great skaters. Yeah, but you got the same thing with Sherratt, in my opinion. Sherratt's not a great skater if you were to pair him with Peronic too. I don't so think when- I see. I think he's a... He's pretty slow. decent skater. He's slow. Mm. He's yeah. not not the fastest. And neither is Mata. I I do like what you said about like Mata and Heroic not being great skaters. I just I just don't think that's really gonna matter. I don't know where else. You... I hope not. I hope I hope I hope I can. I'm saying I'm saying I don't think it matters where that 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 that's gonna make them not paired up. Right. I, I think it could be could matter in real games, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're talking strictly off-season hypotheticals, and we're just going. Obviously, we don't, we don't, we don't have the, uh, the what's the term I'm looking for? Like looking into the future, um, aspect of being able to go back and be like, oh, this didn't work, right? And so I know we talk about how we don't want Edvins and babysitting Heronic. Maybe there comes a time a little bit deep, maybe not deep, but give Edvinson some time with some games on a third pairing. And if you feel comfortable enough and you think that that second pair is lacking skating ability, that's where you move up Edvinson and give it a chance. I mean, Moritz Sider did the same thing last year. You gave him, you gave him the babysitter of Nick Letty, not babysitter. But it, it wasn't, that was different. A little bit, but like also it was complimentary though. You had the, the one and two, like, I mean, if you want to count Philip Ronick as the second best defenseman last year, whatever. I, Argument's sake, Nick Letty was two or three on the team. He was two, hundred okay. percent. And I so you you I, had the number one and two partnered together. Is my point. So like obviously like kind of like throw Edvinson. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be a two or two or three guy, but hopefully not. But I mean, him being vaulted into a number like a bigger role is like is completely possible i just think that your comparison of nick letty and cider they were actually like a really good pairing at the start of the year until they got split up I, they like, were analytics said everything too about that pairing. yes so i wouldn't say consider that a babysitting at all but i know but you th- get what i you get what i mean though is it was an older veteran paired with yes. a rookie it's kind Except- of my point yeah, Heronic's not a veteran either, which will, no. he's really young. 
I mean, um, playing playing on the the Red Wings from 2018 to 2022, kind of yeah. the veteran at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, he's like the there's still so much uncertainty with him too, which is kind of crazy. He's going into his fifth season. I'm pretty sure. I mean, the way he started his career though was pretty incredible for such a small kind of one-dimensional defenseman that was tasked of playing 23 minutes a night. Some things he did some nights was pretty ridiculous for being nowhere close to a, a number one defenseman. Yeah. He had some very good games. Him and the corpse of Mike Mike Green carrying oh the Detroit, Detroit yeah. defensive core. Yeah. I'd love to talk about Mike Green more in his Red Wings tenure because, like, I don't know, I think we kind of look at it, like, negatively, but I don't think he was that bad in Detroit. I don't think so either. Detroit, towards the end, he was pretty bad. Yeah. But, like, the first, like, four years of it, I don't like, he was pretty serviceable. And he did exactly. It's always forgotten that he got traded to Edmonton. (laughs) Dude, and played two games and said, no, I'm not going to the bubble. Yeah. We got a a fourth-round pick for for Edmonton's two games of Mike Green. It's pretty pretty awesome, I'm not going to lie. Those are good two games. Quality two games. And then whatever, a second round pick for who was the pick that we got for the two games of Mike Green? Uh I have no idea. You don't you have know. to look Damn. you have to look that up. Uh if you want to look that up while I like try to keep this ship on like on course, I'd appreciate it. But um kind of back to Robert Hag in his season. I didn't really talk about what his previous season was i mean he got traded from buffalo to florida at the trade deadline but he played in 60 plus games i'm I'm trying to think of um what his actual um hold on yeah okay he had uh in 64 games he had a goal eight assists and nine points and then a minus nine but i mean again plus minus whatever take it with a grain of salt um he did have a great like 2018-19 2018-19 season and he was playing pretty decent minutes and he's playing 17 plus minutes and he had 20 points and playing a full 82 game season for the Flyers when they weren't complete garbage yeah so I mean there is like something there to be said about like possibly Robert Hag maybe bouncing back in a better system can you look at Buffalo kind of a tough situation to try to thrive as a youngish defenseman trying to get his back his footing and then you go to Florida, which is a tried. It was a literally the um. What am I trying to? Why am I blanking? President's Trophy. I can't even think of the trophy name because it's irrelevant. And <laughs> them going on and trying to compete for a Stanley Cup. So kind of like two polar opposites of trying to like fit in for a like a defenseman trying to get his feet like feet back under him. So it's definitely it's an interesting thing, and also have him start fresh with Detroit. I think I don't know. I'm a little bit higher on Robert Hag. I think he could be a third third pairing guy. Did you find out which pick it was? Who it was? No, picked? it was in twenty twenty two, right? Was the pick from twenty twenty two? It was conditional for twenty twenty one or twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two. So, and we had three picks this year. So it was one of Anton Johansson, Lombardi, or Kilpinen. Kilpinen, Maximilian. How do I know which one is which? I don't know either. You have to go to like wiki and stuff like that, but I mean, fine, whatever. We know like one of the three names. One of the three names. Yeah. So kind of fun like that. So we kind of like move into the third pairing. Um, 
who would your ideal third pairing be? I mean, I think both of us going uh, out of like our last episode after right after free agency, I think it was pretty easy for us. It was Pissick Edvinson. You have the veteran guy who's a defense defense first, and then you can really babysit Edvinson. But now it's kind of to me, it's kind of up in the air. Yeah, I'm very curious which way they lean here. Especially, I, I don't see any way Edmondson doesn't make this roster, to be oh, honest yeah. with you, unless he really plays bad at camp. And he's a lot of opportunity, though, before camp, too, even at the World Juniors and stuff. I think he really has to play himself out of a spot. And I think he locks down that left side. And then you have two lefties and a righty fighting for that sixth spot at the start of the year before Wallman comes back after not a long time, too. There's yeah, Wallman, be... Wallman will be back, I think, like pretty early, like after like the first month or something like that. That's because shoulder surgery. So I'm guessing like November, December. It's going to be quite the interesting log jam at the back part of the defense, too. Yeah. Especially with left handers. Like you have Osterly, Hag, and you're going to have Wallman. And then you have Lindstrom there, too. Yep. Ideally, I want to see Lindstrom take a step and have him there with Edvinson. But it's tough to have a 20-year-old, well, 19, 20-year-old with Lindstrom, uh, who's 23 only. So I do see it playing out at the start, probably flip-flopping maybe with Lindstrom as Osterley or Hag. I mean, Osterley has more experience probably playing on the right side than Hag does. I think Hag is more of a one a left defenseman compared to Osterley plays the right side a little bit more probably. Um, uh, on the contrary, Robert Hag spent pretty good amount of time playing on the right side last did year. Did he? Playing okay. in Buffalo. He's paired with Jacob Bryson, Darlene at times. Uh, he was also paired with Samuelson for a good amount of time. Cause I, I looked up on um, when I was doing his deep dive in his analytics, I was looking up his uh, most common partners and I mean, he spent like Mark Pissick was his main partner for the most amount of time. But then the last few were Darlene, um, Samuelson and Bryson. Yeah. I mean, in that case, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Hag to start the year and it's Lindstrom subbing out and Osterley's just a scratch. So in my article, I, I, I put Hag there. I'm with you on Edmondson. I think he just has way more upside than any other player on the bottom it, in the bottom just, pairs. If you need any sort of clarity, just watch the World Juniors. <laughs> yeah, he's he gonna has... he's gonna be the best player in this tournament, and I'm very confident. In it. I yeah. don't. The only other player that I think is the possibility of being more standoutish is probably Mason McTavish. He's a stud. McTavish. He's a stud. Yeah. Yeah. He's they're, good. Just, they're completely different players. Oh yeah, absolutely. Position. I mean, one's a, one's a center and one's a left defenseman. Like the, I, I'm, I'm just saying just, he's a great player. There's a lot of very talented players that aren't playing in this tournament, and I think, and Edvinson wanting to play in this tournament shows a lot to me about mm-hmm. character, and still that you have stuff to prove. Yeah. Um, there's a couple guys like. Like Beneers, he was already playing NHL games at the end of last year. So obviously you don't want to take a risk. Same, Same with power. power. Yep. But there's some guys to me, like, why would you not want to play in this tournament? Wasn't it Caden Gooley is not going? Yeah, that one's weird to me. 
Also, even Slavkovsky is weird to me. Yeah. Like, go play Ka- for Cas- Casper makes sense. I think Casper makes sense. Casper makes sense because you're going to be on a horrible team and your club is starting literally the day after World Junior starts. And right. you want to you want to insert your role into your club. That's why I'm surprised Niederbach's playing. I would think he wants to insert a role, a role into his new club right away. Yeah, they maybe. May, they have a preseason game, but maybe he feels like he can win a gold medal too. I mean, without Eklund, he's gonna have a bigger, bigger role, right? On sweet and Holtz. Yeah, those are two. Those are two big names and being missing. Um, I guess we can dive into that a little more. Yeah, I have yeah. A lot more that I want to say about that. Right. I but wanted ma- to go. Yeah. Ma- go back. Mainly, to- I do feel, in that sense, like especially the way Jacob Bryson plays, and Darlene plays. Um, I, I, I would feel like that would be a pretty reasonable pairing. Then. Uh, yes. I, think Jacob Bryson's really fun to watch and he's kind of kind of crazy sometimes. Yeah. So I kind of would like that. Yeah. So going back, like I wrote in the article, I picked Hag for the spot. And kind of like my main reasoning is they didn't have to sign Robert Hag. They didn't. They still had seven, I mean six tech if you if even if you want to count out Edvinson, right? Six NHL healthy defensemen, and if you really didn't want it, you could call up Stephen Camper to be an extra, right? So yep. you could have run, you could have run Osterly Lindstrom quite easily in your bottom pair. And I think that, especially like at times last year, you had Gus Lindstrom who looked really serviceable. I think we were even petitioning for him to be on a higher pairing than Philip Peronic at one point. Yeah. And then kind of the back half of the year, I mean, the Arizona game stands out big time. It's literally, I've said this to so many people, Gus Lindstrom's downfall was the first game he played with Dan DeKaiser. After that, Gus Lindstrom, everything went to, everything that he had gotten better at and learned throughout the season just was gone. Dan DeKaiser ruined Gus Lindstrom. Gus Lindstrom camp is over. Everything's washed away. He should be bought out before <laughs> anything else happens. Sorry. <laughs> a bit was, of an overreaction. That was a bit Get, of an overreaction. Do you know who the Red Wings' worst like pairing was in terms of like goals for or expected goals for last year? It was probably Letty and Hironic, wasn't it? Oh, uh, they were second. It who was, was it? Jake Wallman and Gus Lindstrom. Yeah, I mean, that's not shocking either. I and felt they like, like on paper that on paper they were supposed to be like our third pairing this year. Like before going into free agency, we're like, you know, that'd probably be the third pairing. Lindy was playing terrible too, and he was playing with. Oh yeah, Wallman. Wallman was Wallman was carrying the pairing for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, and Osterly, again at points last year looked okay. He has played the right side, and I can see like the veteran guy kind of getting the spot next to Edvinson. But like the way he plays stylistically, I don't really see how well he'll complement because he kind of likes to jump in a little bit too. They're both such good skaters, though. Oh, yeah, Osterley's a great skater. Which yeah. would make for interesting pair. I, I don't know. Osterley, he is a phenomenal skater. He's just phenomenally lost some games. And then other games, he's very good. Yeah. I guess my kind of like, yeah, I just think Hag makes the most sense. Also, he has the PK upside as well. Because he, he has penalty killed a bunch in his career. Yeah. And if you kind of look at with, like, Lindy did a little bit, but... um. Uh, Osterly does not penalty kill. Yeah. And he did on the Red Wings, but they were bad last year. They literally were the worst penalty kill. 
I'm, I'm curious to see Cider's usage on the penalty kill to start the year. If they're just going to full out blast him like they did last year, or if they'll kind of ease into it and let some of the other guys take bigger roles. Cause you have quite a bit of penalty killers now. And my, especially if you're rolling hag or hag in there. Yeah. Hag. Ali Mata is a very good penalty killer. He's kind of brought in for the Sh- penalty kill. Sherrod also kills, and Heronik's he- killed his whole career, too. Yeah, I'd be getting Heronik off the kill, personally. Heronik's been better than Cider in the last Yeah, the but last again, I want, that to cha- I want that to change. Like, I want Cider to get the minutes to try, yeah. to, be, try to be that guy. Cider, um, Cider, that's one area, like I've said, that Cider has a lot of improving to do on, and that's basically his only area where I'm like, Wow, he needs a lot of work there. Yeah, I mean, you put him with like Ali Mata or even Edvinson, who's done a pretty good job on the PK as well. That's another one that's gonna be really interesting. I think yeah. he can be thrown into that right away. Yeah. So again, really interesting stuff. But I kind of want to like transition into a whole look in the Eastern Conference's defensive systems. Like there was a lot of change in the in the, the terms of like Eastern Conference defense. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you look at like I would how would you rank Detroit's defense in terms of the Eastern conference? Like where do you kind of see them fitting in? Yeah, you're throwing me on the spot here. I'm sorry. Uh, personally, personally, I kind of see it as there's these tiers and Detroit's kind of in the third tier for me. I would say that's probably pretty fair. So here I'll go. Where did I have it written down here? Where did I have that written down? Yeah, okay. So I kind of have it set up as the first tier being Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Boston. Like, I think Boston, when fully healthy, I think they have one of the best defensive courses. Yeah, it, I guess it depends where you're talking about with Boston because right now they're really banged up to start the year, and they're probably going to be on the back backer half of the Eastern Conference without yep. Grizzlick and McAvoy. Yes. Yep, I agree with that. Then I would go like Tampa. I mean, even losing McDonough, they still have Hedman. You still have Chernak. Sergachev, even though he just got overpaid, still pretty good offensive defenseman. And you sign Ian Cole, who's a very good defenseman, like defensive defenseman in a depth role. Hey. I, I still throw them in there. And then Carolina. I don't, I don't, I, I, Carolina Carolina, Carolina's number one. Those teams. Carolina's I, I one. just don't see Tampa Bay. They don't have a number three or they don't have a number four defenseman. And I don't think Sergachev's the best number two. I, I don't think Sergachev's worth 8.5 million in any sort of capacity. Oh no, he's not. If you're going to pay him for an eight year deal, I would pay him 5.5 million at max. I think he's severely overrated and I think he's going to be completely exposed this year in a higher role. He gets exposed all the time on a third pairing. Yeah. Um, so Tampa Bay's defense, I'd almost drop into a second tier. Um, I, I think losing Ryan McDonough is going to hurt them bad. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I, I still like their defense, but again, I totally get it. Um, I kind of like have the Rangers, Maple Leafs, Devils, Penguins, and Islanders kind of like that next year. I really like the Devils defense. I personally. really like the Devils defense. Too, John Marino was a killer pickup. I'd almost throw them right up with Tampa right above Tampa Bay almost really right yeah I mean let's see here 
you, you kind of have your Sergachev and Severson, and I think Severson's just as good. I, um, I disagree with that, but go I on. don't. I think he can play a similar role, and both okay. are bad defensively. I think Jonas Siegenthaler plays that sort of Chernak role. He's one of the most underrated defensive defensemen in the NHL. I think John Marino also plays a sort of Chernak role. Yep. You have two shutdown defensemen right there. Dougie Hamilton is just a stud offensively. Yep. You don't you don't have the Victor Hedman in him, but he's very, very good offensively, and his defense can be hidden yep. by probably Siegenthaler. Yeah, I, I think that's that'd be my number one pairing. I don't hate Ryan Graves. I think he's pretty serviceable too. Yeah, I think he's good. And Brendan Smith is Ian Cole. Maybe a little bit worse. Yeah, a little bit worse than Ian Cole. Played, but... played on a pair together. And they but yeah, I get it. We're very good. It's a solid, those are solid six defensemen. I like, I think throughout, I think that's a better solid six than Tampa Bay's. I don't like Calfa at all for Tampa Bay. I like Bogosian. I like Bogosian. He had that nasty toe drag in the playoffs this year. Philip Myers is a very interesting <laughs> bet. I think Philip Myers it... could pan out. He could pan out, and I think in Tampa, I think he's a, he's going to get paired to Victor Hedman. You already know it. Yeah, probably. Dude, he's he's becoming the next Jan Ruda. Yeah, Jan Ruda just made a bunch of money because of Victor Hedman. Yeah, that contract I don't love. I don't love it either. I do like Jan Ruda though. I think I, I like the player. player. Don't love the contract. Pittsburgh's yeah. another team that's really interesting to me because you're such an old decor. Yeah, they're like you. You want to know how we get older? Also, yeah, I love how like going into the offseason, they're like, we're gonna shed some salary cap. And then they acquire Jeff Petrie for full contract. Yeah, I love Jeff Petrie though. I do love Jeff Petrie. Mike Mike Matheson's kind of underrated as well, though. Which I was yeah. kind of like, eh. and then you pick and then you the John Marino trade they got fleeced. I don't really think that Marcus Patterson is worse than Mike Matheson, though. That kind of might be a hot take. No, I don't think so. No, dude, I don't think so either. I like Marcus Patterson. But I think if you're rolling a top four of Chris Letang, Dumoulin, and then Petrie and Pedersen, that's solid. very good. And then that's what I'm saying. you hop into Ruda and Ty Smith, and if Ty Smith can have a bounce back here, his rookie season was phenomenal. Yeah, he had a good rookie season. And if you're Pittsburgh and you're banking on a 22-year-old, I kind of like that for how, they're, for how they're core, how old they are right now. If you take little bets on, like, 22-year-olds like that, that – Okay, you had one really, really good season. You had a bad season here. Take a bet like that and play him with Ruda. My my only issue is like they gave up John Marino and John Marino's 25. Yeah. And I mean, very good. Yeah. It's the same thing though. If you're giving up Pedersen, you're giving up a 26-year-old, and that was the main course of it. Maybe they want Pedersen over Marino. Marino had a Marino had a rough year this year. Mm-hmm. Compared to Pedersen. Pedersen was the better defenseman, in my opinion. Do I think he's the better defenseman overall? No. I just – I think Marino has more to unlock yet. Uh, and I really yeah. like that pickup by the Devils. I Yeah. I do think Pedersen's a very good defenseman, though. I, I would have Pittsburgh in kind of that same range, though. I think Ty Smith is a big wild so maybe card, the, So, maybe, like, going through my tier list, I think Carolina kind of sets itself apart. Then we kind of go Boston – Tampa, New Jersey, Pittsburgh in there for yeah, like a secondary I, tier. I would like I, that. Like the Rangers, I think they're super young. Like obviously you have Adam Fox and I love Keandre Miller. I think that dude's going to be a stud. This decor also is very good. Um, You have 
a link here though that makes eight million somehow, and that is a traffic cone, which I don't understand. That's true. And Andrew Cobb's Andrew Cobb's best friend. If you go on any armchair GM, no, it's Aaron Eckblad's best friend. If you go on any armchair GM that the Rangers put out, it's Jacob Truba as a cap dump to the Red Wings. Because yeah, yeah, I would love sense. I would love Jacob Truba for eight million. Man, pay the man. I saw um, one. I saw one. It was like retaining half salary, so four million dollars for Jacob Truba a year. Like, yeah, you know, it could be worse things. I love looking at like the ridiculous ones. Uh, I also did really you see like, that Twitter account that just started? Yeah, horrible armchair awesome. Tate. I love it. Uh, that's my favorite account on Twitter right now. I really do like Braden Schneider too. Yeah, he's going to be very good. As a young right-handed defenseman, he's very good. And Lindgren, severely underrated yet. Yep. So, no, I think New York has good D. Toronto, even though we love to rip on them, they have a pretty solid defensive core. Um, the yeah. Islanders, um, picking up Romanoff, I wasn't crazy about the package they gave up for him, but, I mean, that makes their top four pretty solid. Yeah, I like the top four. Pelik, Pelik Pulak, Romanoff, Dobson. Pretty solid. And then you have Mayfield. Mayfield's good. And then what is it going to be? Aho? Probably. And he's not bad at all. He's fine. Yeah. Again, third pairing guy. And that's where I kind of like go into where Detroit's at. Um, I have like Detroit, Florida, and like the Capitals all kind of in the same boat. I might put the Capitals higher. Um, I do love me some Martin Farivari. Really? I'm not that yes. big on him. He's very good. Um, the Capitals are very interesting because I think John Carlson is still very good. Yes. Agreed. Um, also, Dmitry Orlov is a wild card yet. Yes. Who's a good top four defenseman still. Shout out, shout out Nick Jensen. Shout out Nick Jensen who plays very big minutes for the Capitals and does a very good job at it. And then you kind of hop into that five to six range where it gets really fishy for me. Like you have yeah. Trevor Van Reeves, like, then what do you do? Yep. Who's yeah. their sixth defenseman this year? I don't know. Is it Eric Gustafson or Matt Irwin? Oh, uh, I think it is Gustafson. Eric Which, Gustafson yikes. is a, not a good defenseman. And or are they going to try to plug in Alexia this year? Is this the year that he comes up? Oof. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I don't know yeah. how his progression has been, to be honest with you. Now looking at Florida, I think Detroit might be better. Florida's defense is horrible. I don't ba- know. It's bad. It's not better than the Red Wings. No. It, they got rid of their best defenseman. Yeah. They, I, got I, of, they got rid of their best defenseman. They got worse. If you've listened enough, you know that. I am not an Ekblad stan. I think Ekblad is severely overrated. Um, just just watch him. And Uyghur took the brunt of all the blame in the playoffs. If you watch the playoffs, Aaron Ekblad – never mind. I won't get into it. But Yeah, but who's who's babysitting Ekblad now is my question. It's yeah. not going to be Gustav Forsling. Gustav Forsling. Someone needs to babysit him. Oh, I know who it's going to be. Radko or Mark Stahl? It's going to be Mark Stahl, baby. And you need someone babysitting. You need someone babysitting Montour. You need someone need babysitting Ekblad. You, you need, need someone, someone babysitting, babysitting Mark Stahl. And force. Someone... <laughs> and you need baby, someone babysitting Mark Stahl. He's an animal. <laughs> he is. The only one that doesn't need babysitting is Radko Gudis. Yeah. Except for the fact that he might kill somebody. Yeah, dude. Mark Stahl. Is it bad that Mark Stahl might be their third best defenseman? No, he's not. 
Okay. I don't know, man. I don't know. About it. Play, play that. Play that Edmonton game. Play, play that Edmonton tape, and you tell me who's better. Two goal okay. game. Who is he? Who's worse, or who's better, or who's worse than them? I'm not a big Montour guy. I like Montour. He just has to play to the right person, which could go severely wrong this year. It might be Mark Stahl. <laughs> that also could be Mark Stahl. And I think that would be a fun pairing. No. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Florida is just a huge question mark, like wherever. And then they have like a bunch of random, like 850K guys who are on the defense, like competing. I think it was like a Finnish guy who's in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's forwards, but yeah. Wow. Well, whoops. Right? Yes. No, I think they have a couple defensemen that are like, they don't have a set because it's. Well, uh, they have Cali Sheldon on his yeah, e- that's... E- ELC yet. And then they have Lucas Carlson who played games last year. Right, then they, they signed Anton Lefci, who was a. UFA, that's what I was thinking. He's a UFA for Finland that plays forward. Oh, who was like was he was like uh, over a point per game last year in the, the Liga, sixty-one points in fifty-five games. Not bad. So he's expected to play in their middle six actually this year, which Crazy. is really interesting. Good for him. Good that, for him. Their forward group, I love. It's their defense that I hate. And their goaltending is a huge question mark. I think Florida's like primed to be a very big wild card. I don't think their goaltending is that big of a question mark. I just think it sucks that you're paying Bobrovsky ten million when Spencer Knight is a starter. Just yeah. about. I think he's a tandem goalie already. Like if you could just sign a cheap backup, man, that would be he's, great. They used to have James Reimer. James Reimer would have been pretty nice right now to just have With him Spencer and- Knight. Dude, just league average goaltending. That's oh all they need. That's all they need, dude. They can just, win game. They can win game six five. Yeah, I mean, like I love the Colin White pickup by them this offseason. Very smart, and because also he's a guy that Ru- can thrive. Rudy, Rudy Balsers. Oh my gosh, those are two guys that, if you've learned anything from the Florida Panthers that's the last three or four years, these guys have been nothing players that have came to become very good players, like for Haggy Marchment. Mm-hmm. Even Duclair came out of his shell. Like, yep. you've seen moments of it, but now he's became a very good top six player. Yep. So, it's really interesting. This team is very interesting. Yeah, like, Detroit's, like, right in that mix, man. I also have Columbus in that range as well, and Ottawa. Ottawa I have on the lower end. Columbus, obviously, you got Wierenski, but then, like, kind of after that, a bunch of question marks. Yeah, I mean, same thing with Ottawa. They have they have Shabbat and then a bunch of question marks. I actually do like Zub though. Zub's a good player. I like Wierenski over Shabbat, and I kind of have I kind of compare Andrew Peak to Zub. I like Andrew Peak a lot, and I also like Arkham Zub a lot. Yep, but then after that, it's just like, what's going on? I like Gavrikov too. Oh yeah, I forgot about I forgot about Gavrikov. Gavrikov's good. Bolquist is still a wild card. I think he can be very good. He, I mean, what did he have last year? Like. 12 or 13 goals and he missed he had more time. goals he had more goals and assists he had 17 goals last no 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 i'm stupid 11 goals in 52 games did he have more goals and assists it wasn't like 10 assists 11 11 oh close though those are pretty good now and that was without power play time for him yeah those were like all even strength goals <laughs> i remember the one he scored against detroit where he just ended up in front of the net i was like whoa how'd you get down there yeah and then if you have like jake bean on your bottom pairing with like a Branson who makes way too much money. Gabrowski. He's like he's like Shira on drugs. It's true. That contract. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
both, both are very interesting moves. Um, yeah, so I kind of have I have Detroit ahead of them and Florida. I guess the Washington one. I'm I'm kind of with you. I think they might be Washington might be ahead. But again, I just still in that, I just that really tier. like I like I really like Faravari, and I think yeah. he didn't get enough attention last year. So it kind of puts Detroit like ninth or tenth, like D. I would say like in the Eastern, and that's pretty close to a playoff spot, man. In terms of like if you're going strictly one through eight. I'm going to go in defense right now. And the, if you also a big part of defense is goaltending too. And yeah. you're also adding in with a team like Detroit, you're not taking in effect wild cards, right? You're not taking into effect Simon Edmondson jumping in and being a very good defenseman. Yep. I have not that's something that that's something that's not being taken in. Also a new coach. Also a new coach and Bob Bugner, who's been, a very good penalty kill coach in his time in San Jose. And then also Lalonde, who's been a very good penalty coach, penalty kill coach in Tampa. I don't know if you had heard him say that, but he said when he first was jumping into the league, he kind of watched San Jose's penalty kill with Bugner's penalty kill. That's very interesting to me. I love that. Yeah. I think Jay uh, Verardi too. I think he was a big PK guy as well. Which is kind of interesting. He's a younger, yeah. he's a younger coach. I kind of like see like him kind of using this as like a stepping off point, kind of get his feet wet in the NHL and kind of see how a bench works. I mean, yeah. it's not uncommon. I know people were like, "Wow, we need more than three coaches," but I mean, it's not uncommon to have four guys behind the bench. No, a lot no. of teams do it. Yep. So no, I think we're kind of on the same page of where Detroit is in terms of defense. But I mean, obviously with wild cards, we're not factoring in, and obviously, and then, we're really- and then you put in goaltending too, like. I mean, Golden is a whole other conversation. I think Detroit's near the top of the Eastern Conference. I would say so, too. Very similar to Boston's situation. You have two very yep, good tandem 100%, 100%. I really like Boston's goaltending. Because I, I compare Olmark and Huso pretty similar, and then I compare Nadelkovic and Swayman pretty similar. Yeah. I might give the edge to Boston just cause simply from performance last year. Yeah. Swayman, Swayman is very good. Also, he was on a way better team than I agree. No, I, I agree, but I'm giving the edge for right now yeah. to them. Um, yes, yeah, so I kind of wraps that up for like the Red Wings talk. Um, move on to World Juniors. Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah. So we've had some news on some teams. Obviously, Sweden, we're going to have Wallinder now, which is going to be awesome. I'm rooting Team Sweden. Edvidson, uh, Niederbach. And then Canada announced today that uh, Donovan Sabrango is wearing the A. Which is big time. And I love how Scott Wheeler, by the way, Scott Wheeler continues to take L's and ranked more at Cider third in a redraft of 2019. He just loves picking fights with Red Wings fans. And then he he mocked Donovan Sobrango to be an extra for the World Junior Tournament. Now he's an assistant captain. Yeah. That's Stay hot. Stay hot. Um, it's just so funny. The more at Cider one I don't see is terrible. Like, I, I understand. It's there's ridiculous a, to me. There's a, there's a stance there. I... I think Zegris is legitimate uh, number one center, going to be a number one center. Mm-hmm. I just think Sider's literally a franchise defenseman. Which would – I put him at number one in the redraft. Right now? Yes. I think Jack Hughes is a franchise player. Take, know, take, take your pick. I mean, I, I would personally – as I personally biased, value a defenseman over like a center, I think. A biased fan, I would take Sider. Just because I can't see myself saying another way, but man, I completely understand why Jack Hughes is number one. Jack Hughes, 
is phenomenal. I, I no, don't, and I'm and yeah. I'm not saying it like I'm not like anti Jack Jack Hughes. You know I like Jack Hughes. I said yeah. as soon as that con- as soon as he signed that eight by eight, I was like, that's a great contract. I mean, he's going to he, quickly outperform that. He literally had fifty six points in forty nine games last year. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. He's a I'm just fabulous value- player. I personally like what from a team team perspective maybe it's because i've watched tampa bay a bunch recently it's like i value the defense out perspective yeah and that would put me giving the edge to a six foot three defenseman who can do literally everything um but yeah anyway back to world juniors i think sobrango i love i love that pick for assistant captain i mean guy who has pro experience and they have ken johnson and mason mctavish too which is gonna be it leads for a fun team it's gonna be a very interesting tournament in terms of coverage and then obviously what's all going on with hockey canada right now and in the coverage of obviously the, the 2018 world junior team. Cause I've heard a lot of stuff. Like I, I, I saw that um, Gord Miller had to like put out a statement saying like he feels conflicted about calling the games, but he's still going to do it because it's not fair to the players playing currently. Yeah, exactly. But um, sorry, letting out my cat. <laughs> oh, usually I can do that when you're talking, but he was about to start crying. Um, But no, I think, I hope they bring it in the coverage. I hope Rick Westhead gets some FaceTime like during the coverage and being like, Hey, this is an important issue. Like, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like make it like, obviously a lot of people are going to be watching. Like it's important for more people. I mean, obviously in Canada, it's a huge deal. Cause I mean, parliaments and I'm pretty sure like <laughs> I saw like people joking about how both parties, both like political parties are like in unison of what should happen with this. And then hockey Canada should be disbanded. Yeah. Cause it's terrible. What happened? absolutely terrible and it's like the longer we go it's like i we kind of know who the players are that were or we can kind of guess who the players were there's there's an educated guess i mean everything's so uncertain though it's tough to speculate when without oh, yeah. knowing the full truth yeah i absolutely. have a hard time trying to speculate things like that because i don't think it's fair to the players like what if it's just a false accusation I'm not saying I'm not saying this whole situation is because it's pretty clear that this is a pretty messed up situation that has happened. Yep. I'm just saying like speculating on each player until names actually drop. Um, it's tough for me to go spit names and say, okay. Yeah, and yeah. I was I wasn't about to throw names out right now. I no, I know. I'm just I'm just point saying. of yeah point of like obviously there's lists out there for people like there's actually like accounts that have crossed out names and like have exactly put out statements. I, I've seen those and. It's a, uh, it is something that needs to be brought to light. Like, man, oh yeah, is... I hope whatever happens, like by the end of it, we know who the players are. Yeah, because it'd be tough for me as like a fan of obviously like, the Red Wings don't have anyone that are it's involved. And I, I'm sure. Yeah, but like it'd be hard for me as a fan to be like I'm rooting for that guy. Yeah. When I know, when I know, like possibly he was one of them. You know well, even I mean? like Cal McCarr being on that team, and yeah. He's so easy to root for because he's so good and seems like such a good person. Right, which often, I mean, you look at, I mean, way, like, also, yeah. I mean, this has some huge levity, too, but, like, obviously look at Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. Only gets six-game suspension. That is one of my most insane things I've ever seen in my life for a guy, like, Calvin Ridley gets 17 games for betting 1500 on his team. They literally, they literally traded the starting quarterback for Deshaun Watson, who has all of this baggage. Yeah. They traded Baker Mayfield. They're like, see ya. The, the crazier part is that Calvin Ridley bets $1,500 or 
when yeah. he's injured on his own team to win. Yeah. And he's not even playing in the game. It's not like he's betting on his team to lose. It's insane. And he gets suspended 17 games, and Deshaun Watson has 25 women accus- making accusations about him. Yeah. And yeah, you only get six games. You're fine. Yeah, ridiculous, dude. That is and, wild. And the video of, like, hundreds of fans, like, asking for his autograph maybe sick. Yeah. Maybe yeah, sick. That's pretty, pretty something. Anyway, let's go back to World Juniors because, like, I'm going to get on that and it bumps me out, dude. And I could talk with Calvin Ridley for days. That's that suspension should be appealed then. Should be, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, like, otherwise, I mean, I, I you kind of told me that it seemed like Booyam got cut from Team USA because I didn't see that. Um. Yeah, so – Aiden Harush, how do you say that? Harushik, the, Col- the Columbus pro- uh, prospect that was in the trade for Max Domi. Okay. He was, he was Carolina defenseman, picked in 2021, I think the sixth round or fifth round. Okay. Uh, he plays at BU or BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was originally taken off the roster, and Booyam was on the roster instead of him. But then they switched it, and Booyam's off, and he's back on now. Weird. So they must have messed that up right away or something like that, and now Harushnik is on it, or however you say it. A little Steve Harvey moment. Yeah. A uh, Steve Harvey moment. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously, Mazur's going to be a big – he's projected to be top six, and then you got Red Savage, who was a regular – like, he played both games last – no, did he play both? No, he got suspended one, didn't he? Uh, didn't he get suspended in one of the yeah. prelim games? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He got suspended on Camel on the prelim games, right? Oh, it was a prelim. Never mind. You're right. Or was it a prelim that went into X ex- or went into? I think, I think, I think it's that. I think it went into actual games. I don't think so because I thought I remember USA only ended up playing one game. I think he got suspended one prelim game. Maybe, Maybe. he did. Yes, he okay. did. But uh, it was the hit on Camel because yeah. they played two or three prelims that he gets suspended mm-hmm. for one of them. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, Savage is – it's not even his – technically his age out year of World Juniors too. So it's going to be really big if he does end up – I know they still have like two cuts to make. I don't see it being him. By the way, I he think was so either. played last tournament. Well, the previous one that was supposed to be last tournament. Um, it's not even his age group technically. So he's going to have a chance to play on two World Junior Championships and – a course of probably what six months, yeah, which would be pretty neat. That will be pretty neat. And I, I to go more on Booyam, I Booyam will definitely make the next team. Yep, this this team's kind of locked and loaded on defense right now with O2s and O3s, yeah, more so O2s, but makes it a little tougher for a guy like him to make it. Yeah, he'll make it next time, he'll make it in December, it'll be or January, whatever you want to call it. It'll be good. Um. Let's move into some league league wide news. So, um, what? Okay. Say something? What? I, we just didn't even talk about uh, Sweden or anything. <laughs> no, we did. We talked. We talked about Sweden in the beginning. Okay. We just mentioned. We meant. We mentioned that who were all on the team. We did forget to mention Czechia and Finland. I did forget to do that. So my bad. Uh, Vero for Finland, who will likely be playing kind of a bottom pair to top four like role and he did have a couple points in uh one of the prelim or it's like scrimmage games or it was like a three-point game i think it was something like that pretty cool 
Um, Vero's kind of been, he's been there for a little while now. I think he's played two years now on World Juniors. He's kind of been a regular. And then uh, Bednash for Czechia, which uh, he did play one game uh, during the World Juniors last year, and he played pretty well. Was it was that against Canada? or No, it was against Germany. Mm-hmm. It was 2-1. Two, two two yep. And he played pretty well, from what I recall. Um, also, just to mention it, since obviously Russia's not playing in it, they announced their U25, like uh, something like a some reason they have like a tournament going on in Russia. It must be like a kind of a substitute World Juniors. But Buchnikov, excuse me, he was named to the roster, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. So pretty neat considering it's a U25 roster. I think that's what it was. It was U25, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was I, mean, I was also wondering. That's why I wanted to talk about Sweden. Okay, go ahead. Sweden. Uh about Dower Nilsson not being on the team. I was wondering if he declined. That was a big question of mine because there wasn't much about him or even any talk about him. And with Frolunda starting up on the 10th and World Junior starting on the 9th, is his priority to make Frolunda or did he just get cut? I have a feeling ah, that's a good question. Because I think his big thing is he's going to want to make the big club this year. So I think he just prioritizes actually playing in the World Juniors in December. Yeah. And then make the club right away. If Orlando's right. got a bunch of like depth gone, I mean, you got Soderblom that's gone, Niederbach who left for Rogla. Uh, there's some, definitely some turnover where there could be a spot available for him. Well, especially when he was the 13th, 14th forward last year. Yeah, he's looking at more um, of like a more a established role in the bottom six. Yeah, which will be which will be great for him. Yeah, and I I mean, what's who's your favorite player to watch or the most play, the player you're most excited about to watch? coming up in the region mm. championship. This is a tough one. I really like Edvinson just for pure dom- dominance. I have a couple on the list, so bear with me. Um, also, Kosa. I'm very intrigued to see how Kosa plays because obviously he kind of lost. He didn't even get a chance to start in the tournament because he didn't do well in the scrimmages mm-hmm. against the eSports teams. Are they going to give him that chance to redeem himself after a pretty lengthy playoff run? I'm curious. I'm really curious of where he stands. Oh, or is it going to be Brett? Uh, or is it no, not Brochu? Uh, Grant, Grand, Grand. Is he going to get the job? Because I mean, he he's, he had a great year too. Yeah, I'm curious too. Also, Wall. I'm shout out Wallinder. Wallinder and Mazer, I think, are my guys. Maybe Ooh, Vero, maybe maybe Vero too. I'm really curious to see how Vero looks. I think Mazer is going to have such a big role on Team USA. It's going to be really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I want to see Wallander get all the opportunity in the world. There's a guy yeah. that should have made the team right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a chance to basically show out. Yeah, definitely. Good call there. Um, so I guess we can transit and like, or, yeah, transition to some more league news. Um, Nazem Kadri to the Islanders. Is that happening? Or is this just something that people have blown out of proportion? I, I don't know. I think it could be a little bit of both. I think people are just speculating, but also I think it could be a thing. I love like the like the conspiracy theory that like this is just a deal that Lou has shelved and like it's not happening until before training camp. 
as if like a big name like Nazem Kadri wouldn't be announced before then. Or it's just that he's waiting to make a trade or something like that and that they don't want to announce it until he clears cap. I mean, yeah, you look at like Islanders cap sheet, like I got Josh Bailey, which would cost them a lot to unload. He's making five million for the next two years. You're not you're not just like trading him for an asset. Yeah. That's a significant piece going with him, which leads me to believe that Bovillier would probably be the more likely to be traded, which at that point, I'm like, what are we doing? What, yeah, I don't, we, I don't think they should trade Bovillier. No, and also if you look at their centers, they're pretty well set down the middle. Barzell, Nelson, who's underrated, and then you got Pasha as your third line center. Well, you can move probably one of those guys to the wing too. Like yeah. Nelson to the wing, I don't think really hurts you. Or even Barzell. You go Barzell, Nelson. On a lot. Or, the, or that Barzell, hey. Nel- Nelson, and Lee. Yeah. And then Kadri, Bovillier, and who cares? Yeah. I, I'm just like, for like Islanders, I'm like concerned that they're going to choose to get rid of Bovillier. And it's just like, why? Yeah. They just hate uh, youth. They hate youth. Love getting rid of young players with promise. That's what, I mean, same thing happened to Devin Tays. Yeah, I mean, if you base, like, for where Detroit's at, if they went to made so many moves up front, I would be okay swallowing a Josh Bailey pill for something else plus, right? It, it'd, can, be, it'd be a first plus for me. Because you can get a lot back for that. And I, I think Josh Bailey is a serviceable player. Yeah, he definitely is. He's not a complete bum, but, I mean, it's also kind of like the same thing with James Van Riemsdyk, right? Like, the reported ask was their 2023 first to take on James Van Riemsdyk for $7 million for one year. This is $5 million for the next two years. Yeah. So if you're going off that price, that's a lot. And I'm thinking it's going to be a Ducks-type move, probably. Haverbeek is salivating. Yeah. And if I have Haverbeek, I'm calling Lou all the time. Like, hey, what's, hey, what's up? I'll take Josh Bailey. Yeah. Or Con- even if they can go Bavillier. I mean, that's a good young talent to have on the Ducks system. Or that. Even if you're getting that. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, obviously for Detroit, I mean, uh, the most recent episode of 32 thoughts, Detroit was listed as still like a, a destination for Kadri. Um, I wrote about it, but I mean, I don't really see a, a fit. You just signed cop to second line center money. And I know Jeff Merrick's biggest thing was like the Detroit doesn't have a second line center, but I mean, cop was just signed to be second line center yeah. and the team's kind of confirmed that he's going to be the center. Now, I'm not against, like, if you were to move Cop down a line, like, and just stack the centers, and you've signed Kadri to, like, the Klingberg deal of one year at, like, $10 million, just go bananas. I'm Yeah, that'd be fun. I love Nazem Kadri. If he, if he came to Detroit, I, I, like, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, I'm... I just don't see the fit. I guess I don't see a fit either. I mean, the more I just thought about it in my head, I'll, I'll kind of go off that in a second, but I'll talk about Kadri to Detroit. For me, it doesn't make sense. You're paying cop second-line center money, and then going off of that, the only way I see it reasonable is if it's on a two- or three-year deal. And after that, even, you're, you're going to be in some money troubles because you're going to have to afford – Kadri, and that's going to push Dylan Larkin's contract up too. Um, and going off that, you still have to pay Tyler Bertuzzi after you pay Larkin. 
And I don't see Tyler Bertuzzi being around if you're signing Nazem Kadri, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely puts and again, I think Eisman like I, I went back and watched Eisman's uh, post free agency um, presser, and he said he doesn't want to sign another big name free agent to be put in a spot to trade a player. Yeah. He doesn't want to have to make a move. He'll make a move if he, he damn so chooses. But you want to hear my hot take of the Nazem Kadri trade? Okay, I just thought of this. Okay, okay, to the Ducks, Josh Bailey, Anthony Beauvillier. To the Islanders, John Klingberg, Nassim Kadri. Why maybe, they... add, maybe add in a second in there too. Uh, uh, okay, John Klingberg was just signed. Yeah. To actually, he has a no trade clause. Never mind. He has no trade right now. But that would have yeah. made sense to me because the Islanders were sneaky about him too at the start of the offseason. And if they wanted that cheap contract moved right away, and then you get Beauvillier. And then you eat Bailey, and then you take on another second round pick for that too, or something right. like that. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Very interesting, but yeah, obviously, like that would be big, wild. I feel like I'm reading the armchair GM stuff going on. Okay. Um, but no, like, yeah, if we kind of like transition out of Kadri, I mean, I think he's a great player. I feel like he's overplayed his market. And kind of seems like a lot of teams like Detroit, New York, the Rangers, I'm saying, have kind of like they chose other options. Detroit went cop, New York went Trocheck, and Kadri's kind of like it's kind of like, it's kind of like playing musical chairs, and Kadri is currently sitting without a chair. I also don't think Kadri's worth as much as he's gonna get paid. So I don't really want to touch that. Unless no. he, unless you're giving him two or three years. He's 30, gonna be 33, right? 32. He's 32. He's gonna be 32 in the season. Okay, exactly. October 6th, I think, is when his birthday is. That's basically old in hockey terms. It is old. It is old. And for a guy who's coming off a career year on a Stanley Cup winning team and who has never been a point per game besides that year, it's definitely a lot of risk going involved. And I think there's some teams, and thank God, you know, actually, no, I wanted Chuck Fletcher to have money so fucking bad at the free agency because he would have made some awesome moves that I could have just talked about. But I think Nazem Kadri is a little pissed the Philly didn't have any money because uh, Chuck Fletcher would have been burned. He would have lit it on fire and said, here you go, Nazem. Yeah, I just. Here's seven by seven. His, uh, some of his just numbers are so inflated from this last year. But I mean, he's always been kind of a playoff performer. Yeah. And also he's a, let's not get, he's just still like a very good second line center. Yeah. Like 60 point, 30 goals. A year, which is very valuable. That's like six million dollars. Yeah, not seven to eight million dollars. Not. And how many more years does he have that left in him? Is my question. Right. That is that is a huge question. And Detroit went with Andrew Cop, who a is very versatile and plays many different. I mean, Cadre is also pretty versatile, but Cop has been a guy who's progressively gotten better towards like this part of his career. So I think Detroit's betting on that as well. Um, so yeah, it kind of wraps it up for me on the um Nazem talk. I do like him a lot. Um, is there anything else you really want to talk about? I mean, maybe we can talk about like what's going on with like Evan Rodriguez, or do you really not care? We never talked about the Matthew Kachuk trade. I mean, we kind of, we kind of talked about it with Florida, I mean, we can kind of talk about it quick. Like I said, I think Florida got worse. I really love the trade for Calgary, I do. 
They got I a first said. round. They got a first round pick. They get Cole Schwint, who's a pretty solid prospect, who could be a middle six player. They get Mackenzie Weger, who becomes their best defenseman on an already stacked decor, and Jonathan Huberdeau, who's literally he had more points than Matthew Kachuk. I mean, obviously playing totally different roles, but you yeah. lose Johnny Gaudreau. Huberdeau fills that spot of Johnny Gaudreau, and I I argue that Huberdeau drives the line better than Gaudreau does. Disagree. Really? Yeah. I think I think Huberdeau does a better job. I think Gaudreau's the better player, not by much. I think he drives better. I don't know. I I think Calgary's offense still looks bad to me on paper. Yeah, the like, I mean, I th- very, very, very bad. I don't think it's their very bad. Bo- I think their bottom six is horrendous. Oh yeah, the bottom six is bad. Uh, like the top line, if you're going like to Foley, Lindholm, and Huberto, I'm a big fan of that. Then the second line is kind of like a big question mark. I mean, Mangiapane, great, but then who else? Like Mikel yeah. Backlund, Mikel Backlund, yeah. either Dubé or Ma- or Dubé or Coleman. Yeah, right. And then, it's then what, like, is Kevin Rooney your third line center? Yeah, no, or, they definitely have some. They also still have cap space, though. Like, they, they, they They still have some cap space. And I mean, their name is around Kadri as well. And like, he'd make a ton of sense in Calgary, personally. I, I think that honestly would probably be his best fit. Yeah. Because then you I, bump down Backland and then you have Kadri. Ka, I mean, Kadri, Manjipani, and Dubé sounds a lot better than Backland. Yeah. Or even go, yeah, even split it up a little bit if you want to split up Lindholm. I mean, I actually do like Lindholm a lot, but you know what I mean? Like you can get well, and then and then even then, if you do do that, if you move up Kadri, then you can have like Backland, Coleman, and then like if you can bring in like Pelletier. Pelletier, yeah. Who had a great season last year, like a similar to Jonathan Bergeron type season. So yep. more, more goals, I believe. Yep. He's um, small forward as well. Stud, very talented, or you even yep. put him on the second line. Um, yeah, I got some interesting, interesting. I, I just, I, I do like that trade for him because I don't think you would have got anywhere close to that kind of offer from anywhere else. No, um, I think you need to try to prioritize signing them or trade them soon. Um, I, I'm more on the sign Uyghur, and you might want to move Huberdeau. I think you can get a haul back for Huberdeau, and I think Uyghur is a very, very good defenseman. Um, so interesting because also, like, Calgary has, like, the – they have so many good defensemen that they could move on from. Because you got Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin, who's a pretty solid top pair. Then you go Uyghur and, I don't know, Tanev. But if you're, if you're rolling a top four of Uyghur, Tanev, Anderson, and Hannafin, like, man – that's a team That's that can contend. Yeah, sick. It's just your forwards that worry me. I mean, like, if you can kind of move Huberto and get a couple of forward pieces back and have, like, two players instead of one, that almost sits better with me. Really? I, I'm, I'm more so spot-filling. I, I'm trying to get, like, a, an Evan Rodriguez would be an interesting one in Calgary for me. Guy who had – he kind of, like, had a bunch of offensive upside in P- Pittsburgh early on. Can you, like, build off that? He's a really good bet. Six guy. Ooh, Sonny Milano. It depends who Milano's playing with for me. Like, go Manji Pani. The big team with me that I wanted to see, not for Detroit's sake, but I wanted to see take a stab at him was Toronto. I think he would be so fun in Toronto. 
Yeah. You have so much opportunity playing with really good players there. And I think he would really perform there. Also, you know who would have been another like really good signing for Calgary? Who would have made this better? Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom would have made this a lot easier. You could have just paid him. Yeah. Said he's in Washington where he's gonna do very well. Yeah. Um I yeah, really like I really like this trade from Florida's standpoint, though. I'm not there. I'm not there on it. I think you were gonna be handcuffed at the end of this year, and both Huberdu and Wager were gonna move on for nothing. Instead, you're taking a 24-year-old to pay him 9.5 million. Um, I wish you went to given up Uyghur and tried to re-sign him. That's the only part about this for me. If you could have found a way to flip just Huberto for Kachuk, that makes sense to me. I'm just the pulling first, up their, the first round pick stings too. Yeah, I'm pulling up their cap sheet right now. Like you got, I mean, Hornquist is a big money coming off the books next year, which helps them a lot. Uh, Colin White will be an RFA, so it's like really they don't really have that many guys expiring, which is a good thing. So I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I thought they have a couple of big UFAs. Like Gudas is coming off the books, but he's going to make like the same money. So it's kind of just like they'll kind of kind of stay even keel. They'll have a little bit of money to play with to maybe make one bigger move. The Spencer Knight RFA is the one that's really interesting to me. Oh, that is a good one. Also, Keith Yandel's uh, dead cap goes down by $4 million. That's a big one. That'll help for that. That'll help. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not a, like they, their depth got worse. Like I'm forward or defense defense mostly. Okay. I, I don't, forward. I don't think they got that worse on forward. Um, yeah. I mean, you only lost Huberto, right? To my knowledge and Duclair is going to be on IR. Yeah. That's kind of really it. And they made a bunch of bets on like Colin White and Rudy Balsers and stuff like that. Nick cousins. So they're making bets on cheaper players kind of like tampa bay does i really like the rudolph belsers like you said and colin white bets yeah those are both really good bets in the middle six yep i agree um so it's just kind of like interesting right now it looks worse i, I love it for calgary person and the and the eric stall bet very fun i hope it works out me too um but defensively i just think they're so screwed like i don't know yeah. what like it's like okay Next season, like maybe there's like a decent like UFA defenseman that can you can spot fill, but I mean, still it's gonna cost a lot of money. And it's just I don't know what they're doing. Bob, right now Bob is such an anchor for me on that team, and it's just like messing them up completely. Yeah, it's Bob, like Bob's not good. No, he's not. It, I mean, he's fine. He's a fine player. Like if he's making like four million dollars with Spencer Knight, you'd be like, all right, hell yeah, this is great. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's not. Um, but yeah, no, the Eastern Conference, I can I mean, kind of like coming come full circle. It's gonna be such an interesting year in the Eastern Conference, and I love every second of it because Detroit's gonna be in the mix the entire season, whether that be in the playoffs or not. And yeah. especially with this t- this trade right here impacts that even more. And Maddie Kachuk's gonna make some games because obviously, like Florida and Detroit have kind of like a obviously not a Tampa Bay Florida rivalry, but they have chippy games. They do, and I'm kind of interested to see Kachuk stir some stuff up and who responds in Detroit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, unless you got anything else, I don't have anything. I'm kind of all wrapped up and there's some big name. It's like August still has like plenty to be busy about. 
There's plenty of teams that are still over the cap. I mean, we were talking pre-show all, about also the Jesper Bratt situation. Oh my which, god, oh that my one's gonna come gosh. in a couple days. One's gonna come in a couple days, man. Yeah, Kevin Weeks just tweeted about it. I saw that. I saw that. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, you got teams that are way over the cap, like Edmonton and Vegas, who are still assigned two very big RFAs. Um, New Jersey, who's going to use all their cap space, possibly on Brat, but also they're nowhere close. Um, it's just a bunch of teams that are still need to figure out stuff. And with also like big names on the free agent market, like Kadri, like Rodriguez, Subban, Kessel, who are more veteran presences, but still pretty big names. And it's like this never really like usually this is completely dead where we still had stuff to talk about for like an hour and a half today. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting a shorter one. Like I thought it was gonna be like 45 minutes, but we went uh, quite a bit over than I was expecting, which is a good thing. But yeah. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, make sure you support our partner in this inside the rink. Bunch of stuff coming with that. Um, subscribe to the pod on Apple. Um, check out our Twitter as well. We should have a, there's a chance we have a little giveaway coming out uh, shortly. So be on the lookout for that. And in terms of scheduling, we're probably going to be for Intel training camp. I would say we're probably going to be once every other week uh, when we get the chance. Maybe there's a week where we go, if there's like a significant move or something, we go, uh, you know, one relatively soon, but um, yeah, going to be some mixing and matching with the summer and us, you know, relaxing a little for a very exciting season. So thank you everyone for your support. (laughs)